you can go ahead and make your way back to your seats. That would be great. If you're there, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Continuing on in our wonderful, wonderful series on transformation, on becoming who God has called us to be. So Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's go ahead and read that out loud together, those two verses, and then we'll pray. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here we go. Ready to begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time of worship. Thank you again for this wonderful facility. Thank you for Pastor Lynn and the Wesleyan congregation and their grace to us every week. And Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, what a privilege it has been the first four months of this year to see lives literally being transformed as people have been hearing and appropriating and stepping out in faith and obedience. Lord, you have been doing so many wonderful things in people's lives. And it's really just because they have understood that your word is truth and your word is to be applied. And in the application of it, you transform us from the inside out through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we continue this morning looking at what we have been given already, the provisions, the supernatural resources you have given us uh, for our transformation, Lord, uh, speak clearly, speak to our hearts. May we be open and receptive even to those areas of our life that um, we're blind to. Lord, uh, we know you love us. We know you discipline us as a father loves his children. So we receive it in love, and we know that uh, without you we can do nothing. So we yield and submit now. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, let's turn to Second Timothy. So we've understood since the beginning of the year that we are in a process called transformation, metamorphosis. That is lifelong, progressive, the, the official word, one of the official phrases is progressive sanctification, right? Which is a lifelong process of becoming more and more like who? Like Jesus, right? Second Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, the Apostle Paul again is talking to his protege, Timothy. The Apostle Paul is coming towards the end of his ministry in life, and he's giving Timothy, who's going to pastor a church, uh, some Encouragement, some instruction, some exhortation. So 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, says this, For this reason I remind you, so this is Paul reminding Timothy, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, right? We saw weeks ago that's, that's fearfulness, cowardice, okay? but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Everyone say power, 
Love, self-discipline. Right? So we've understood the core principle is we already have these. We already have them. We, you know, we've used different analogies of a, of a backpack, you know, bringing everything you need. Second Peter says we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. You have it. And in, these, in this verse, specifically verse 7, we've been focusing on these three things that you already have. Say, I already have it. The question is, do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Because remember that progression that we've been talking about for, for years, and I bring it up every once in a while because it's very powerful. There's this progression from beliefs. I'm going to say beliefs, thoughts, emotions, actions. So sometimes in our Christianity, what happens is we, we see these actions that we're not happy with, and we focus on changing the actions, but the actions are really the fruit of our beliefs and thoughts. And so many of us would affirm, and you've raised your hand over the past several weeks, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Yeah, I want to be transformed. I want to go from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Many of you affirm that, and I believe that. But it is so much more than focusing on what not to do. And it is so much more than keeping score of what you're doing good. See, a lot of people look at Christianity as just glorified morality. And so I'm going to be a good Christian, I'm going to be more Christ-like based primarily on what I don't do and what I do. And we get caught up and, and, and we, we focus on all these external behaviors. And in so doing, you know what happens? You lose your joy. You lose your enthusiasm. Your walk and your Christianity becomes duty and drudgery and all of that. When really what you needed to say is, Lord... I want to be more like Jesus. I see behaviors in my life that, that aren't in line, that aren't a walk worthy, right? We saw that, word, that, that, that picture of having a walk worthy of Jesus means his character is here. My character on a scale should balance. A lot of times it's like this. And so we spend our lives trying to get them in balance. That's another picture, right? And so if you see areas in your life that don't measure up, what you really got to really say is, Lord... What's going on over here? Because your false beliefs and your false thoughts are creating emotions and actions. And so sometimes, again, we get caught up and we want to, you know, oh, bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. And you're trying to correct behavior, but you're not correcting beliefs. And here's the thing. When the Spirit opens your eyes to the truth of this and you believe it, boom. Boom. I, I, I don't even know what to say because you just start doing things around here and your life changes. Why? Because your beliefs and thoughts have changed. How many of you remember a time pre-Christian? You didn't believe the, this. Anyone? You didn't really believe this was God's word. How many of you didn't really believe Jesus was who the Bible says he was? Yeah. Suddenly, boom, God opens your heart and mind to the truth. Your beliefs and thoughts change. Huh. Now I want to read this. Now I want to go to church. Now I want to pray. Now I want to worship. Where is that coming from? The pastor saying, you oughta, you oughta, you oughta? 
Or is it coming from a change in beliefs and thoughts that are affecting your emotions, your heart, your enthusiasm, and you want to be here? How many want to be here every Sunday? You want to be. How many of you in a time in your life, you'd still be sleeping at 943? What are you doing here? Something has happened. And it's not donuts and coffee. (laughs) I'm hoping. It could be a start, but let's move on, right? I'm guessing you're here because your beliefs and thoughts about the value of church, about your relationship with God, about worship, your beliefs and thoughts have changed. Your emotions about church have changed. And you're here. You're here. What is that process? That's maturity. That's owning it. That's owning it. Making your beliefs uh, your beliefs. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And you know the challenge for youth pastors is you get junior high schoolers and high schoolers who were brought to church. Who are still trying to figure out if they really believe what mommy and daddy believe. And so they'll come and they'll do the youth group thing and they'll go to Hume Lake and they'll come to youth group weekly. But I understood in their level of maturity that many of them were coming because it's the family thing. They hadn't yet owned that belief structure. They hadn't yet made those thoughts their own. They knew the VBS answer. They knew the Awana verses, but the belief was not yet theirs. And that was a challenge as a youth pastor to try to move them along, challenge them, love them to make it their own. See, sometimes uh, people, uh, parents or others will go, well, what happened to so-and-so? They were all involved in youth group and they did this in the youth group and they were so involved in church and then they went to college and they went like that. Part of it, it was never theirs. They went because their family went. They went to youth group because it was fun and all the cute girls were there. And they had the best snacks and the best band and the best this and the best that. And they went to Hume Lake and they went to this and this and this and this and this. But it never affected their heart and mind. It wasn't their belief. It was just church. Why am I spending all of this time? Because 2 Timothy, look at it there. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7 says this. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? Power and do you believe it? See, that, that, that's the million dollar question. And I can only, I can teach what the Bible says, but I can't do this. Open your head and your heart and go, believe it. I can't do that. I understand that limitation. That's one of the, honestly, that's one of the parts of, of shepherding that, that, just tears your heart apart sometimes because you want the best and you know God's word is the best and God's will is the best. And you would love to be able to say, come on, it's good. But I understand everybody has to make that choice. Everyone has to submit. Everyone has to receive and, and take the time to make it a belief. What do you really believe? Because see, the first one, remember, it says... God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. That was dunamis. Everyone say dunamis. Dunamis refers to which power? That God used to what? Raise Jesus from the dead. The power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is given to who? 
everyone do this. Everyone do this. Do you believe it? Because fear says, uh, you can't change. You is who you is. And you're always going to be that. You're weak. You're weak. That's what fear says. The Bible says you've been given the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead. There you go. Right? And then look at the next one. Spirit of power of love. Agape love. Remember we talked about this last week. Agape love is self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person. Agape love means I'm going to give of myself, my resources, my time, my energy for you. Because I love you and I want God's best for you. Agape love is a supernatural love. We love gets thrown around so much, all these love songs and all this. Biblical love, the love he's talking about is a self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person. Right there. That's the kind of love we're to have for one another. That's the kind of love that Jesus says, if you have that kind of love for one another, the world will know you're my disciples. Romans says that that love is poured out into our hearts. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? See, because fear says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to love because I got wounded. I got hurt. I got disappointed. I got backstabbed. I got betrayed. I'm not going there again. So not only am I not willing to love self-sacrificially, we talked last week at length, I might not even be be willing to let God love me. Because the last time I let someone love me, whoo, I love you. I'll be with you forever. I'm never going to hurt you. How'd that work out? So the next time somebody comes all sweet-talking, what are you like? Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Heard that? Been there? Anyone? Guarded? Resistant? Here? Very selective who you let in to the fortress. Because you got me once. You're not going to get me twice. Right? We've been there. And we talked last week, if you're not careful, you're not even letting God love you. The God who the Bible says is love. The Bible says will never leave you nor forsake you. Who says, cast your cares on me because I care about you. That God, you're even like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I shared the story with the guys and you guys. My wife, before I was a believer, took me to this Bible study on Friday night in San Diego. We were in San Diego. She brought me to this Friday night Bible study. A bunch of young, college people and the host in the house. I walk in and I'm like going to school at UCLA, kind of independent guy, don't need God, don't need anybody. I walk in, and the host hugs me. He said, hey, welcome. And I'm like frozen. Why are you touching me? Why are you hugging me? Because, you know, I had roommate in, in college, and we were like dudes and play sports and lift weights in the apartment. You know, so we were like that. We were like, and so this dude just comes out, hey, glad to see you. And I'm like... And then... At the end of Bible study, they want to pray. The the ladies go to the room. We go around the dinner table, and they want to hold hands and pray. 
why are we doing this holding hands thing? And this whole like weird love, we love you, welcome. Dude, it was the most crazy thing. I was like, And I realized, if I was honest, I look back in my life that, you know, things happen and, and this whole love arena, I was like pretty jaded about the whole thing. And I wanted to be large and in charge about who I loved and who I decided could love me. Because it was all on my terms. Because like I said, you know, when you, when you get your heart broken, you try to learn from that. Unfortunately, what happens is you get your heart broken and then you close the door and you put eight padlocks on it. <laughs> and you never want to let anybody in. You know, Jesus out there. Who is it? Jesus. I love you. I don't know, Jesus. I don't know. Pretty safe looking through the people here. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, we get that. It's time. And, and you have to... You have to really get to the place, okay, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, because I shared with you three weeks ago kind of my testimony of, of fear in my life and how that became consuming to the point when I was like 20, 21, right before I became a believer, snap, and fear just consumed me to the point where I shared with you, if people were to follow me around on campus or trying to get to campus in L.A., they would have thought I was cray-cray, the things I was doing. And so, and so this verse in my life, this is kind of a testimony verse, because I was confronted, I'm going to be honest with you, I had heavy duty stuff going on, and I was large and in charge and pretty independent, and that independence allowed me to hide a whole lot of stuff, even from my roommate. So I was, I got to be pro-skill at hiding stuff, because I could muster just enough willpower and just enough energy to always look like I got it together when it mattered. Doesn't matter when my roommate was gone that it was a hot mess and that I could drive to school and not take anyone so, I, you know, I could go loops around that, that neighborhood because my mind was so whacked. So I was an expert at hiding it. And so along comes, I get saved and this verse comes along and Okay, spirit of power. Well, Lord, for the last two years, I've, I've been like weaker than weak. You want to know what the dominating thing in my life is? Fear. What drives me? Fear. What do I try to do every day? Just get through the fear. Why, do I, why am I exhausted when I put my head down? Because I've been fighting fear all day. And then love? Okay, go to this Bible study. Ooh. Okay, and I become a believer, and God's like, okay, dude, I've, been giving, I've given you love. I know all the stuff that happened, and I know this whole Bible study thing is wigging you out, but do you believe that I, you have the love through me? Or are you going to stay behind that prison? Are you going to stay behind the drawbridge? Are you going to stay behind the eight deadbolts? I was confronted with this verse, and here's the, it came down to this. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's this simple. Do you believe it or not, Richie? Do you believe it? The process of working this out, honestly, I've been walking with the Lord 20 plus years. It's a 20 plus year journey, even this verse. And I share with you, this verse is an everyday verse still. Still. To come in here and do what I'm doing at this exact second is this verse right here. 
my family was here last week, they still are like, what is he doing up there? Is not, this, who is this guy? Because it's, it's left to my own? There's no way I'd be in front of you. I think the first time I ran for like school office, like in sixth grade or something, you know, you, you want to run for like president or something because it's going to look good on your resume at some point. <laughs> so sixth grade, I run for class president. You have to give a speech. I cried in front of the whole class. <laughs> I think I cried. <laughs> I giggle now. I giggle, right? I'm like, what? Okay. I live this verse every day. And I'm I'm, I'm not blowing smoke at you. Let's just be real. I live this verse. I get up in the morning, Lord, I need your power today. Because I could slide that fast into, into the fear mode. Even this. When I hear you guys arriving and I hear all the voices, there's a part of me that is tempted to go back. And oftentimes I'll pray with the guys, which is a comfort. And then they leave, and I have to gather myself just for a minute or two in my office by myself. And I have to get right with this verse. Love, agape, self. Dude, I grew up, it was all about me. This agape, self-sacrificial love for the benefit of you. How about you self-sacrificial love for the benefit of me? Mom, I want this. Mom, I want that. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So... I, I was one of those spoiled, rotten, demand-centered kids. And you know the drill. Make enough of a stink growing up, it miraculously appears. It just miraculously appears. And so self-sacrificial love for the benefit of you with nothing back to me, that's supernatural. Anyone know that as a parent to a kid? Supernatural love if you've been a parent, right? Honey, the kid's crying. Right? Supernatural love at two in the morning when it's time to feed. How many of you are so thankful that's done? Right, 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 Mike? Amen to that, right? Then you get teenagers. <laughs> right? So it's the same. Never ends. Supernatural love when they're 20. Supernatural love when they're 30. It's agape love. It's always going to be agape love. That's the beautiful thing. And as you demonstrate agape love to your kids, you know what you're doing? You're just showing them Jesus. You're showing them Jesus. Just demonstrate agape love. And then he says this, self-discipline. Turn to Proverbs 25, 28. Write this in your notes. Unfortunately, I didn't get it into your notes. So uh, on the back sheet of your notes, Proverbs 25, 28. And let's look at that. So he's given us power, he's given us agape love, and he's given us self-discipline or a sound mind. Some versions say sound mind. Why is this important? Look at this. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man or woman who lacks self-control. Wow. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. In the context, right, we all understand this pretty, pretty basic. Walls were pretty important. Right? Walls were necessary. Protection. Security. Everything, right? Proverbs 25, 28 says, hey, if you lack self-control, the word picture is your life is like a city without walls. 
You're open. You're vulnerable. That's important. And sometimes maybe the struggles right now in your in your walk with Jesus, in your in your sanctification, in your transformation, honestly, okay, is this area of self-discipline, of a sound mind, and we're, and we're going to look at this what it means, and it, it, it permeates everything. You know, one way to look at it, I came across some statistics on impulse buying. Impulse buying. You know how strategic they are at these stores, right by the cash registers? They got everything you didn't know you needed or wanted, right? I mean, lovingly, and my wife, I joke with her. We're in line at one of these stores, and, you know, sometimes they, like, do the line like this. And they just have everything before you get to the register. And my wife, oh, really? I'm like, you know they have your picture in the marketing department, Impulse buyer. Let's just grab this, right? In 1998, they say there was $4 billion worth of impulse buying. They say the average person will impulse buy about $110,000 over your lifetime. Impulse buying. But the flip side is when you go shopping and you have a plan, the impulse buying goes down dramatically. When you have a plan, the impulse buying goes down dramatically, right? Now, what's also interesting is they, I don't know where they got, how they did this, but, but men are guilty of it too. In fact, they may do it less frequently overall, but when a man impulse buys, on average, it's $41. Ladies, it's 31 So ladies, feel free to do this, right? <laughs> you see, I told you. Impulse buying. What fuels that often is what? Emotion. How you feel. Right? Sad. Happy. Excited. Bored. You know what, a lot, what fuels a lot of impulse buying? When you're angry. Why? Because you, you're, you're feeling a certain way. And you're walking through. And you're feeling something. And you see it. You see it, right? Coffee. And you, you know if you, if you grab it, it's not on the list, but grabbing it and putting it into the cart. Oh, I'm not so angry. Anyone? Hmm? Right? What does is, what is impulse buying do? It's you're trying to placate, self-medicate your emotion. Rather than dealing with why you, ha- why you have the emotion, <laughs> that was a great trip. Right? Like a city without walls is a man who lacks self-control. Right? If you go shopping and you have a plan and a list and you stick to the list, your finances are probably going to improve. Right? So this area of self-discipline, turn back to Second Timothy, and let's look at what, he's, what it means here. Second Timothy, he says... We've been given a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. I put it in your notes there, some definitions, just, you know, for helps, because sometimes I just, it's wordy, and sometimes they sound so good that I don't want to uh, miss something. Look at the definition there in your notes. A saved mind, the sanity of saintliness, control of oneself in face of panic or of passion, self-controlled, disciplined, properly prioritized. 
a sense of sobriety, which means temperance and moderation, right? I love these two quotes. A sound mind means discipline. God does not intend that defeat should be the norm of Christian living. We should be disciplined Christians rather than slaves to our emotions. It is talking about sober, realistic appraisals of a situation, deciding the right thing to do, and then steadfastly, quietly moving to do it. How are you doing on that scale, right? Turn one book to the right to Titus. Look at Titus. Titus 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? Self-controlled there. Right? Same sense. Prudent self-restraint over impulses. Right? So here's the great thing. See, a lot of times... We, we, we limit this idea of self-control and, and restraint to saying no. No. Bad Christian. No. No. Here's the glorious truth. When you allow and you walk in the Spirit, self-control, self-discipline is not just no, it's also... <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. <laughs> it's also... Now say it with enthusiasm. It's also, yes! You see, that right there is a word picture of how many of us view Christianity. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. What do you emphasize more in your walk with Jesus? Are you emphasizing the no's or the yeses? Because when you've been given the spirit of self-discipline and the fruit of self-control, it's no and yes. Yes. Do you think that Jesus called his boys and said, hey, follow me. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. But for the next three years, I'm just going to tell you no. 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 No, 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 no. Is that what he did? No. (laughs) Jesus was teaching him yes. Yes to the truth. Yes to who he was. Yes to his kingdom. He wanted them to get the yes and the joy of yes. That's the joy of self-discipline. But it's so negative. Sit up straight. Eat your food. Don't talk. Sit in straight rows. That's the troubling thing. I get church and order and all this, but sitting in straight rows and all this? Don't talk. Don't fidget. Diana, you're doing well. You're not even moving. I can't even tell you're breathing right now. You are doing it so well. And we get so rigid even in church. Except for Tyler, who's like, oh, this in the back every week. He's like, I don't know what you're talking. No, 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 no. And then we wonder why our kids don't want to follow Jesus. What if we just flipped it? 
and we became the church of yes, 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 yes. Not a license to sin, but yes, we love Jesus. Yes, he's our life. Yes, this is the truth. Yes, we obey. Yes, we walk in the spirit. Yes, we're being transformed. Amen? That's what the world needs. That's what will draw them here. Is people who say yes to Jesus, yes to the truth, yes to walking in the Spirit. Their lives are transformed. And the world will go, I want that. But the caricature is, go to church. I had someone tell me, I invited them to this church to sit next to you. And they said, oh, I can't go to church. I said, why not? If I go into church Lightning will strike me. They have yet to come because they really believe they are so bad that if they step foot in a church, lightning will strike them. Where do they get that? Isn't that kind of a bummer? Doesn't that kind of bum you out? It should. It should. I would want them to say, really? I can come? Yeah. Think about Jesus. What upset the religious leaders about Jesus? Who he hung out with? Jesus went to hang out with the bad people. And the bad people liked him enough to invite him to their house. Isn't that something? You ever think about that? A lot of us are, no, 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 no. And Jesus is like, hey, man, what's for dinner? And he sat down. And they liked him. He was cool. He was chill. Hey, come on in, Jesus. And the religious people are like, oh, you can't believe that. He's over there. He's over there. Right? He was fine. He was secure in who he was. He didn't compromise anything about who he was. He wants to say, yes, self-discipline, please. You've got to ask yourself, how do I view that word, discipline? Discipline. How many of you smile when you say discipline? Right? And then turn to Galatians, right? Turn a few books to your left. Galatians. Here's an interesting thing. Look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5.22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Woo! Self-control! It's the fruit of what? The Spirit! So if you're going to be self-controlled, self-disciplined, moderate, prudent, have your priorities right, who is going to make that happen in your life? The Spirit! See, that's one of those, oh, self-control. I got a, mm, got willpower, New Year's resolutions. It's all self-control. No, the paradox, right? I put, look at that quote. There's a paradox here. To be spirit-controlled results in being self-controlled. As we walk by the Spirit, He produces in us the ability to control every area of our lives in line with His holy purpose. Wow. See, in my life, I thought I had to control everything. Get that plate spinning. Get this plate spinning. And pretty soon I had so many plates spinning that I was consumed with just keeping them spinning. Anyone? Because this whole thing about control. 
And then it all came crashing down. And I realized, I just got to wave a white flag here. I'm done. At like 2021. 20, years and years of trying to succeed. Years and years of trying to prove everything. Years and years of trying to be this and that for other people. Driven by fear. Driven by pride. Driven by self. All came crashing down. And this list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I read that line like, I want that. The problem was it's not I. I had to learn what it means to walk in the Spirit and let the Spirit bear it through me. I had to release control. Here's the crazy thing. If you want to be self-disciplined, if you want self-control, you got to let go. You got to let go. You got to let go. Remember that phrase, we have met the enemy and he is us. You got to let go. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a choice we make every day. It's a choice we make. So in this mind, in this, in this area of discipline, in this area of having your priorities right, in this area of, you know, are you a city with your walls broken down? Is it maybe because out of fear you've had to feel like you have to control everything? Rather than, Lord, you take the reins. You lead. You empower. And I'm going to just trust you one day at a time, one moment at a time. That's where the self-control comes from. That's where the discipline comes from. Now, it doesn't mean you don't work. It's not, oh, let go and let God. No. You got work to do. You have work to do. But you ask, ask yourself, where, where, are you, where are you in this area of spirit of, of self, self-discipline, self-control? Are you letting the spirit develop that in you? Because it can be a trap. These three in Second Timothy have not given us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Why is that important? Because we've been talking about it and you've heard my testimony last few weeks. A lot of us can be stuck. A lot of us can be in bondage. And along comes God through his word and Paul to Timothy and says, hey man, you know that fear? That bondage? That slavery to fear that you have? I've given you power. I've given you love. I mean, you have, you have a sound mind. And see, when my mind was going crazy with all these fearful, anxious, compulsive thoughts that just consumed me and restricted me like I was in a straitjacket, you know what this verse challenged me with? To get a grip. You know, Galatians, that word self-control, it means the ability to get a grip on oneself. That's that fruit. Self-control is the ability, the supernatural ability to get a grip on yourself. So how many of you ever heard get a grip? That's what that is. But it's the Holy Spirit that enables you to get a grip. So when my mind was spinning and I'm tempted to go there in fear and all these weird things and all these crazy behaviors, you know what I say sometimes? Dude, get a grip. And what I've trained myself to mean is you got to stop. Because right now you are going down the rabbit hole because it's, you're, you're relying on yourself. Get a grip, meaning let go, (laughs) and let the Spirit give you the grip. That's my challenge. Every day, throughout the day, 
when my mind starts to wander and I'm tempted and I got all this stuff and I want everything, the old flesh is drawing me back, I have to remind myself that through the Holy Spirit I can get a grip on my thinking. I can get a grip, you can get a grip on your thought life, on your priorities. If you'll surrender. Otherwise, you're, you're, we're at the whim of our emotions, impulses, passions. Where are you on that scale? Do you feel like you're being led daily by the Spirit and having to walk by faith and power and love? Or do you feel like you're just pulled every which way by your emotions? How do you feel this morning? How do you feel this morning? How do you feel right now? How do you feel right there? How do you, what do you think? What's your impulse? Da, 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 da. Are you just kind of like all over the place? Or have you taken the time to say, Lord, okay, you've given me the spirit of self-discipline, a sound mind. I believe that. Now help me to retrain myself. Exercise yourself. You have to retrain your thoughts. You have to retrain. It's, it, it, it takes effort to catch yourself when you're off there and then to put on, put off the old thought and put on the new. It takes a lot of effort. Because all we know is what we know, growing up and all the habits we put on, right? And it's a prison. And here's the crazy thing. The Bible says God has given us everything we need. Amen? God has given us spirit, a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. Amen? So you would think we should just leave here and just go gangbusters, right? Boo! Why don't we? Why don't we just take it and go? Like if I gave you a credit card and said, here's $1,000, go spend it. How many of you would spend it before the day was done? You would go. He said, go. It's mine. I own it. What? God's given you everything you need. Power, love, sound mind, mind of Christ, Holy Spirit, his word. What's holding us? Where are we? Why can't we just, why can't we? I was thinking of that in my own life and for us. And I came across a story. And if you've ever been to the circus, or you've seen it, you've seen those big elephants, someone like 6,000 to 13,000 pounds, full-grown elephant. And they got a little rope and a little wood stake. And the elephants just chill. Six to 13,000 pound elephant. Little rope, little wood stake. Doesn't move. Just stays right there. How does that happen? When the baby elephant was this big, they put a, a chain and sometimes they put a metal thing around his foot. Strong enough to restrain him. And they put a stake. Every time the baby elephant tried to pull away, kink. And it would even sometimes create a wound, pain. So the baby elephant learned just as far as you go. The full-grown elephant still believes this is as far as you go. What in your life tells you this is as far as you go? The Bible says you're complete in Christ. You lack nothing. 
Many of us still walk around like we're little baby elephants. You've been given everything. You're complete in Christ. You can go. There's another area that, that, that's related to this. It's called learned helplessness. A study was done in 1965. It's animals, but then it relates to humans. And learned helplessness says this. When you and I are in a situation that's out of our control for so long, we eventually give up. We become passive. We say, what's the use? It can cause depression because we're stuck and we just stop trying. It's called learned helplessness. You come to Christ and you hear all these truths. Power, love, sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're a new creation. You have the Holy Spirit. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to believe that you're a full-grown elephant? And that you can break the thing that ties you to the past? That's the choice you have to make. That's the choice you have to make. The Bible says you've been given everything. You're not a baby elephant. You're a full-grown you're adopted into the family of God. If that's you, if you've been struggling with learned helplessness, if you've been struggling with passivity, if you just threw your hands up and said, well, I am what I am and I guess that's it, you know what? Your first step is to say, no! That's the old me. The Bible says, I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. The Bible says, I am complete in Christ. The Bible says, I have the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. The, spirit, the Bible says, I can walk in newness of life. Okay, that's worth an amen from somebody here who, who like really believes that. That's where we got to go. For what? What's holding you back, you little baby elephants? Is it fear? Is it fear? Because Paul told Timothy, I get you, Timothy, but God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. And what's the worst that happens to you on this planet, believers? You die, maybe, if you consider that the worst case scenario. But where do you go? Oh, here, uh, see, not even enthused. They're not even enthused about that, Bill, you know. Have, I'm just, they, we go to heaven. We just go to heaven. You know. We just go to heaven. Heaven! heaven. Amen? Amen? Okay. Um, we're, we're gonna, we, see, here's a good thing. I'm going off script now. I give you permission to look at the back of the book to see how it all turns out. We win. We win. We're on the winning team. So what we have to do, guys, honestly, to live a victorious life is to operate from God's truth of who we are already. We're not fighting for victory. We're on the winning team. We already won. 
And he says, while you're on this planet, act like citizens of heaven so that the residents of this planet can see what citizens of heaven act like. Citizens of heaven have been given power, love, and a sound mind. Citizens of heaven are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Citizens of heaven have a father that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Those are citizens of heaven. What choice do you have to make? What's holding you back? What in your past is still whispering in your ear, even as you sit here right now, whispering, you're a baby elephant. You're a baby elephant. You're a baby elephant. You have the power to say no to that thought. Because you have a sound mind. You have self-discipline. And you say, no? Okay, come on now. I'm going to help you. You say, no. I'm not a baby elephant. Doesn't that feel good? No, really? Seriously. Doesn't it feel good to say, no? And we say, No. That's not me. Now say it because the Bible says it. No, that's not me. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we are new creations. You have given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, self-discipline. And there's many, including myself, every day. We are tempted, we are challenged to see ourselves as baby elephants still tethered by the past, still tethered to fear, still tethered to the flesh, still tethered to our emotions. And yet your word says we are new creations and you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. We are complete in Christ. And the joyful part of sanctification is learning how to walk with what you've already given. To appropriate it and by faith to use it. So this morning before we take communion, we just want to pause and acknowledge, Lord, maybe our life is like a city without walls because we're lacking Self-control, self-discipline. Because we're not yielded to the Holy Spirit. So forgive us for that, Father. Forgive us for that. In the best way we know how this day, right now, we surrender. We choose to be filled and led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. may not understand it fully, but based on what the Bible says, we make that choice. And Father, maybe maybe there are some here who feel like they're a baby elephant. And it's just weighing on them. And they feel trapped. They feel alone. They feel defeated. They've learned helplessness. And they're just stuck. 
If that's you, and you would just like prayer for where you are in that area, if you're just feeling like a baby elephant and you're feeling stuck and you need God to really work in your heart and mind and your belief and thoughts, would you put your hand up so we can pray for you? You're just feeling kind of stuck, like you're a baby elephant. Good. Anyone else? Lord, thank you. We pray for those that have acknowledged their need in this area. That they would appropriate and believe what you say is true from your scriptures. And that as they do that, they would experience the joy of following Jesus, his new creations. Experience what it is to walk in newness of life from the inside out. So Lord, we uh, take this time of communion now in remembrance of you, Jesus, your agape love, your self-sacrificial love. We do it uh, with thankful hearts, grateful hearts. But we also now, Jesus, come down the aisles and take communion, recognizing we are complete in Christ. We're not baby elephants shackled. We don't have to be. We can be free in Christ because of what you've already given us. Amen. We're going to take uh, communion. Uh, We're going to bring the trays here. And uh, you can come down uh, when you'd like. There's two cups, and you can take the cups and go back to your seats. And you can go ahead and take communion uh, on your own. You don't have to wait for the rest of us. Uh, But just a time of prayer, a time of devotion, a time of confession maybe, of just what you've heard, letting God speak to your heart about the area of having a sound mind. Before we leave, I just want to give you a reminder. Um, at the end of service, we started a couple of weeks ago, but we just want to make you aware it's going to be a regular uh, part of our fellowship. Is um, There'll be a couple of guys up here and a couple of ladies up here. If you just like prayer, if God has spoken to your heart about uh, something in your life uh, from the message or anything, um, it's not counseling. It's just someone who will listen and pray specifically before you leave. So we just want to make that available to you. Help us this week to live in the power that you have already given us in the spirit of self-sacrificial love, in the spirit of self-discipline, Lord, in a sound mind this week. Help us to say yes, God, to who we are in Christ. And Lord, help us to enthusiastically appropriate all that you have already given us for life and godliness. As we leave here, Lord, we want to leave here to go far this week in victory, Jesus, for what you have done and who you are in our lives. So, Lord, we walk out of these doors indeed victorious in the power of your Spirit, God, to show the world, Lord, that we are your disciples. And all God's people close this service today by saying, Amen. Amen.